Yo, 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 yo. It's your boys. We're back again. No Bull Games podcast. No Bull Games podcast. I say it twice now for no reason, but sorry, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, we're back with the boys again with a special guest today. Um, obviously, you know who I am, Ade Ads. Uh, give a big shout out to Mr. Real One. Big up yourself, Real One. Yo, yo. You got Mr. Gaz, Mr. Gary Bell, big, big up, what's up? Hello, hello. Back in time. I'll see you give it a clap for. Yeah, yeah. Another one. Round of applause, round of applause. All right, all right. I might get a machine now, it's like start pressing the button, but hey. <laughs> also, we've got a very special guest today. Um, continue our, our series of life, life outside the premiership, but we have a bit of a subheading now. This episode is going to be called Gary. Bounce back. Yes, called the bounce back episode. So we've got a lovely guest on board of us. We've got a guy called George. I'm gonna pronounce your surname wrong, his voice, right? I'm a South Londoner, man. My, my, my English is not the best sometimes. No, nah, <laughs> man. That's no excuse. And then Bruce Forsyth. Yeah, do you not know about Bruce? Exactly. Come <laughs> on, man. Who's who? Bruce Forsyth. You don't know who's the guy. No, he's a. He, he did um, Dutch oh, on oh, Ice, yeah. right? It was Dutch on Ice. And you see the famous TV producer on Yeah, you're not no, nah, I don't know him. I was I was watching Cartoon Network, mate. I didn't watch those things. <laughs> 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 but, but yeah, but um, he goes by the name of Fuzz. Um, for the for for everybody else, so we're calling you Fuzz in this episode. So round of applause, big myself, jo- uh, Fuzz. Thank you. No, thanks for having me. Pleasure. So how have you been, man? What's life like in this lockdown? How's it going? Um. Well, I think. Like everyone, a bit frustrating at times, uh, pulling your hair out at times, but um, you got to get on with it. I've always been that sort of kind of person where you just, life's life, you just roll with it. Um, I think football's probably been the release in terms of not just playing, but watching. You know, it feels like there's a game on every night at the moment, so that keeps you occupied. Um, and as you say, just training still. Um, so, yeah, football's pretty much uh, still taking over my life as it has done for the last 20-odd years, 20 years or so. So, yeah, um, just getting on with it, really. Oh, cool. On that, um, on that mention, you mentioned, sorry, regarding football every day. I think that's absolutely right now. I think yeah. it's absolutely... It's, it's yeah, life-saving. It's vital. Yeah. Huge. It's vital. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Good. you got mad, Abby. What's going on with the hair, man? <laughs> you know what? You know what? I, I haven't had a haircut since, um, um, obviously, the, uh, the the first initial lockdown. So, Bloody I'm going where I'm like, you know what? F it. Who am I impressing? You're like, you're going for prison break, mate. Yeah. But, do you know what? I'm going to get... Listen, my mum, my dad, everyone's on to me. But do you know what? Who am I impressing? I don't really care to be honest. So, um, I want to go officially one year without getting a haircut. So, I'm cool. Oh, man. Isn't it? But, hey, but I can still grow hair, so I'm happy in it. <laughs> Some people are struggling, so I can still grow hair. You've so. never looked like this, have you? Yeah. <laughs> you never got to this stage, have you? Well, never. I'm, my hair's never ever been this high. I've always always had like haircuts from, from a very young age. So to me and for everybody else, this is very extraordinary. So I'm like, yeah, effort. It is what it is, isn't it? It is what it is. But um, yeah, I was saying about the um the, the football. Like I think if this was like the norm, it would be so perfect. But I don't think they can handle it, footballers, at this precise moment in time, on a, on a consistent basis. The overload, yeah. 
it's, it's yeah, way definitely. too much. No, I agree. I agree. Foz, are you training full time at the moment? We um we train two mornings. Um, it's a yeah. bit like a hybrid system. A lot of non-league, that north south level, uh, rather than just two nights a week or one night a week. If you've got to choose the game, we train on Monday morning. So I've trained this morning, um, and a Thursday morning. Um, so really, so we can prepare for each game. So on a Monday, we'll prepare for. We've got a game against Brackley tomorrow night. Um, yeah. And then obviously a Thursday's preparation for the Saturday, really. So yeah. you're in four times a week, which when you when when I was professional at Kiddy, Jesus, we we'd just do the same, really. Maybe an yeah. extra day we'd do the Friday. Um, yeah. But when you win, sometimes the gaffer gives you Monday off and gives you Wednesday off. So really, it does feel like a professional. It is ultimately professional. Very the environment and the manager and the way he does things very professional. So yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, I think we're actually rude here. We'd introduce you properly, um, and Foz. Um, so you're currently playing for what team at the moment? I'm at Hereford, uh, Hereford FC. Um, so yeah, just I joined just after Christmas. Um, no, just literally my first game was Boxing Day, uh, when I was in the squad. Um, made my debut on three days later on the 28th against Leamington. So yeah, joined just. Our league at Halzo, in that as well as before we got suspended, it's pretty much finished now, I believe. So, um, I know uh, someone got in touch, Nathan Vaughan, the, the goalkeeper coach, and got me in. Uh, Hereford said, Were they interested? And like I say, went there and uh, currently there. So, now it's, it's going good. Cool. Thank so, so Hereford are in the what league are they at the moment? They are in, They're in the National North. <clears throat> That's one below the um, National League. Okay. So does one, that mean... One below Femi. One, oh, one below... Femi. Okay, okay. So, in regards... I know there's been a lot of... Um, there's been a lot of uh, uh, cancellations of games and such forth and the leagues. So, am I assuming your are the level which got affected the most, but you got, actually got cancelled. You wasn't classed as a high enough levels. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, the, the, the uh, National League and National League South and North are classed as elite. Um, anything below that is is grassroots, I believe. So, what they're saying is, when I was at Al Zoin, basically we our leagues got cancelled, but the timing was quite good because when Hereford made an approach for me, as our league was getting cancelled, theirs was carrying on. So I thought I've landed on my feet here. Like so, I went to Hereford, and now you know now that league looks like it's going the same way. I think we find out the twenty eighth of February whether they go ahead. I think the national league will go ahead, but I think the ones just below the north and south, I think they might um, be cancelled as well, if I'm honest. Wow. Okay. Didn't know that. That's tough. That's tough. Yeah. But, um, so, the, the, the topic for us, as we said, is um, bounce back. You know, like I said, the Prem and bounce back. And you, obviously, your dad was a pro. Uh, your dad had a fantastic career. Um, Who's his dad? Point... You can't just leave that, Gary. Who's his dad? Uh, it's that's Richard Forsyth. He played for Kiddy Harriers 300 times, played for Stoke City. For you know better than me. <laughs> yeah. play for? He had a, like I say, he's at Kiddyminster, played, I think he broke him when he was 17. And by the time he was 23, I think he played 300 appearances. Um, and then went to Birmingham City, um, got a move from the, from the conference all the way to the championship at the time. Um, 
under Barry Fry and then went to Stoke City after that, where he's probably his most successful time. He was there during his prime years, really, 28, 29, and uh, went to Blackpool, Peterborough. Had just a good career, really, in League One and League Two after that. What uh, years was this? Talking around 90, 96 to two, early 2000s. Okay. Um, that was when he, I think that was when he, like I say, I was only a kid then, but I vaguely remember towards the end of his career, watching him at places like Cheltenham Town, he, he, he went to there, like League Two. So, yeah, he had a, like I say, a, a very good career. Cool. Did you, um, did you feel from an early age, I, I mean, you grew up around football, obviously, so you're going to watch him all the time. Yeah. It can go two ways, that can't it? Um, it can either make you love it or it can make you hate it. <laughs> yeah, well, I've heard there's so many people that um, they've got dads in the game and they don't even kick a ball or anything. Yeah. You know, you see a lot of the, the the ones to mention the celebrity ones. You've got like Gary Lineker. None of his sons play. That's right. In the Beckham sons try and play, but they're just not quite. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of them, like you say, they're that. They're almost too. Um, involved in or two they've seen it that long that by the time they're 16 17 18 they're they're not really interested um and on the other side they're also they haven't got that that hunger got, maybe. you know their yeah. dad's a millionaire do you really need to go and push yourself and earn a contract at a, at a league one league two conference side when you know you don't have to um and that's that's where probably you would say you do need the love for the game and not just at Six, seven, eight. No, when you're 21, 22, going forward, and that's George. what you know. Sorry, sorry, George. Um, did you notice that um, maybe when you was going through the leagues, um, that maybe the kids that were more well off uh, were less motivated than maybe the kids that weren't as well off? Um, it's funny you ask that because linking it to my job, I have another job um, at a football academy. I work. My dad's a director of. Um, a football academy in Wolverhampton um, called North East Wolverhampton Academy. And we've got a 16 to 19 programme and it's in quite a tough area. Um, you know, not much money, um, you know, and bless bless some of the people around that area who, you know, have, have helped me with donating boots, donating stuff. But I see their hunger and I see what they, they've got nothing, a lot of them great kids their attitude come train every day and it's because they almost need to, to make a living to make they need it. that um, whereas some don't don't get me wrong there's still I've played with players who minted and their dad's minted and they're just good players and yeah. that's it but I do think there is something there where we'll go and play a, I don't want to name teams but we'll go and play certain other academies or colleges or schools in a, a nicer area and they don't fancy playing our lads um, yeah. Yeah. because our lads, they will run that extra yard. They will, you know, just push that bit more because, like I say, a lot of them, they need that. Um, mm. They want to earn a contract. They want me to take them to a club on trial. And just adding to that story, we've had a lad who's gone to Ipswich Town. I was just going to say that. Yeah, your dad told me. Yeah, your dad told me. Yeah, Dutch lad. He was at... Um, Aston Villa as a kid yeah, come to us and um, I was playing at Worcester City at the time and I, I, I recommended him I said I've got a lad at my academy 17 at the time 
but I said he's got scary potential. But the main thing, and like you just touched on, is that mentality of he wanted it, he wanted, he needed it, and wanted it. And Paul Lambert saw him in an under 23s game and just signed him like that. Said I'll have him straight away. Signed him on an 18 month deal and been brilliant for our academy advertisement wise stuff like that. Um, helps promote us, but ultimately the main thing is we're helping young lads in a tough area. Um, yeah, and plus yeah. my guys playing football. Because there was a recent um, article um, done on Patrick Bamford. Um, uh, Patrick Bamford, his uh, background is quite well off. So yeah. he said that it, was quite, it was quite difficult for him to get the respect that he deserved when he yeah. was coming through the academy. He said, um, in particular, I think it was Sean Dyche didn't fancy him because both his parents came to yeah. his loan signing. I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, um, sorry. I didn't. I didn't know stuff like that happened. Especially, like, I thought that was a good thing if both your parents turned up for your own signing. But it's quite strange. It is strange. It is. But look, yeah. I think a lot of it is a bit stereotypical because there are, like I say, I've played with lads who their dad turns up in a Merc, but and the kids got brand new boots. But if they're the best player on the pitch, they're the best player on the pitch. Yeah. Simple. But I think that's what the beauty of football is. It's working class. It's available for everyone. You know, it's not like golf where you've got to go and buy a hundred and two hundred, three hundred quid um, golf club or cricket where you've got to buy the pads, helmet, you know, everything. Football is, you can get a football, um, nick it off the park somewhere, find yeah. one and have a kick there, you mates, the yeah. jumpers down and that's the beauty of the game. Um, and that's why we all love it because everyone's, it's accessible, accessible for everyone, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. So, um, for I mean, you you who did you first play for? What was your boys' club? Your um, um, well, I was first club. I joined when I was four, six, seven. Gornal Athletic. Yeah. Um, so I was in Northampton from the age of five, six, because my dad played for Peterborough, and we moved down to Northampton for a bit. Oh, uh, okay, right. But then quickly, obviously, we went back. We come back home when he when he was coming towards the end of his career. Um, yeah. And as I say, Gornal Athletic was my, my first club. And and yeah, that was uh, where I first laced the boots up, played the you know, proper games. And, and and you just fell in love with it straight away, independent of your dad. Uh, um, oh, I can't remember or I can't not remember kicking a ball. Other yeah. than, that's all I can remember, really, as a kid. Yeah. That's all I did every day um, from... Four or five. I remember I had a mini goal, plastic goal. I'd make a goal like out of, um, you know, like toilet roll when it's finished in the <laughs> tube. Like I'd build. I was obsessed with it. I, if I didn't have a ball, I'd get paper and sellotape it and kick it. And yeah, I was just I've obsessed with the game. Absolutely obsessed. Yeah. And you, um, when did you get, you went into Wolves first, didn't you? Yeah, I, was, I went into Wolves at um, seven, eight. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it was under nines when it first starts, but we trained. Yeah. They had like a, a shadow, like just before you go into under nines. Uh, only, yeah. So yeah, I was at Gornal only like a year, um, yeah. playing with your mates and going to like Great Yarmouth, playing in the tournaments. But as I say, I was picked up by Wolves at, yeah, eight around. And then, um, yeah, it's, it's, I was there for a while. So 
Yeah, and how did, you, how did you find the transition? You, I suppose you, you didn't really have much time in grassroots, did you? Straight into academy pretty much, wasn't it? Straight into the academy. And I think it's a bit of a topic now, and a lot of people say um, maybe going into an academy too soon. Um, and I'd probably agree. I probably wish I didn't go in until maybe 12, 13. That's one of the questions I want to be asked. Yeah, it's just one of those things where I think when you are that young, uh, I know it's a cliche, it is about enjoyment. Um, don't get me wrong, you get great training, um, working on things, great facilities. But I just think it puts you at such a young age, you know, in such a pressure, um, not just not just pressure though, but just a false environment almost, you know, you're nine years of age, just playing football. Yeah. Uh, and... I don't know, I just wish maybe I would have played with my mates a bit longer and I think you become a bit more streetwise. You know what? I, I, I always look back at the best times was when I when I played for my school. Yeah. Not for when I played Wolves, when I when I was allowed to play at school. And you might think big fish in a small pond, but it, it wasn't that. It was I loved being able to just play with my mates, celebrate my mates and not in a not in a take the mick way and tossing it off way. It was more in just a way of I enjoyed that, um, just not as much pressure. Um, or structure. Not as, not as, yeah, sometimes a bit more less structured, but just yeah. a bit more freedom. Yeah. Because one thing I was probably, you know this yourself probably, Gaz, that I was at an age when I was 16, I was scared to have more than two touch. I was that drilled. I was that, yeah. Uh, yeah. it was just drilled into me. Um and that's and a great point. Well. My old man saying when I got to 16, 17, you know, you go, you've gone about five, six games without having a shot. You've gone five, six games. I haven't seen you, you know, have more than two touch. And I think that a lot of that comes from at Wolves drilled into me. Um, one touch, two touch, and move the ball, uh, move the ball. stuff like yeah. that. And, you know, eventually it does, it, it moulds you into a player that. It's being realistic at times, and you see that now with a lot of under twenty three players. They they come out of the system and um, they don't know the game. They don't they don't understand the game because they haven't really been in a proper environment. Yeah, um, they've been in a false environment, protected in a bubble. Do you think? Do you think part of it's that natural ability to a define your own personality with freedom, and then make mistakes that allows you to create your own decision-making database, if you like. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a, a fine balance because you shouldn't, you shouldn't get your... You should, no kid, and it's the, it's the biggest thing in youth football, I've, I've always found me going through it and when I see young lads coming through, the biggest lad will always be probably the best player on the pitch from 9 to 14, 15, but he's not the best player. Yeah. He's not got the best brain. Yeah. But because he's physically stronger, physically quicker, he can pick the ball up and run past five players. Well, that's not teaching him the game because when everyone catches him up at 18, 19, he won't be able to do that. Only Messi can do that. And let's be honest, he doesn't do it every week. Messi does it, you know, occasionally. But if you actually yeah. watch, nine times out of ten, he probably just gets in and passes it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was that fine line of letting a kid express himself and have his personality but coaching him in the right way but I think like you said the main one is 
decision making is let kids learn for themselves. It's the biggest yeah. thing for decision making. The best Absolutely. players make the right decision at the right time. 100%. I, I, I mean, I, I love Wilfred Zaha, like a lot of people do, but, but I love his backstory as well. And um, it's the current under-23 coach at Fulham, Colin Ogbonmahe, who, who find, found Zaha for Palace. And um, he didn't go into Palace till he was 12. He'd been playing cage football, like round where the lads are from, you know, Peckham, South London area and stuff. And um, just learning, learning himself, learning yeah. his own skills and tricks. I think he's a fabulous talent. Maybe he went to Man United too, too early, but the way, the way they nurtured him, he was quite small when he first went to Palace. But they saw the potential in him and they played him down a year. You know, and they, they just let him go and express himself until he grew. And suddenly he hit six foot one and at 16 he was unplayable. But he made good decisions because he, he was self-taught almost, you know, yeah. in a lot of ways. So well, it's it's a massive part of the game that yeah. I think you're touching on that personality that everyone has a different no, if every player was the same on the pitch you know, you'd have no balance. It wouldn't be a good side. You've got to have yeah. different, you've got to have players who can do different things. I always look to the best sides. Um, they've got something different in every position that gives something. And um, almost, I feel like academies nowadays, especially in England, um, especially in the West Midland area, I can't really talk for many others, but I feel like it is a bit of a majority is they're looking for that quick, strong, pacey player. Mm. Um, and that's why we can't produce really uh, a ball-playing city midfielder at the moment or, I mean, John Stones, he's one in a million. Um, players like that where, you know, their, their game's not revolved around pace. Their game's revolved around their decision-making, their reading of the game. But I watch a lot of academy football and I see a lot of academy football and I remember playing in it myself. And... It was just all about pace. I was released many times, as you know, guys. Yeah. My pace or um, my physicality. I was 14. You know, I, I'm I'm not fully developed. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be six foot four now. I might be in a couple of years, which I am. But, um, you know, I remember being at Wolves and I know I might be skipping a bit of a story, but being released for that exact reason. And it's like, well... You know, I think, and I've, it's not just me, it's how many players have you heard I was released for being too small? Yeah. Things like that. And I just, you know, I hey, find, Shane, find Shane, Is that something that actually said to you, you were too small? Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a I had a bone marrow test. At, we had a bone marrow test at Wolves at uh, 13, 13, 14. And they, they, basically, they get your wrist and they, I don't know what they, they actually do, um, but they get your wrist and they measure, they do all these things and, I never forget it. You know that that he was predicting height and predicting stuff like that. And I was thinking, but I want to, you know, I'm doing a football. I'm not. I don't want to be a <laughs> NFL player or whatever. And they were. And I think it said I was predicting I was going to be about five eleven, five ten, like my dad. Wow. So the test wasn't very good. Um, but I just I found it crazy in the first place. I mean, touching on it again, that sports science kind of thing. At twelve, I was I was doing squats with weights on my back. <laughs> you know, I was, I was wow. doing day release. No, it's wow. a true story. I was doing day release. <laughs> really? Day release at Wolves. And um, we'd leave it, you know, you'd leave school at like half 11, 12 o'clock. We'd get there, we'd train, and um, we'd go into the gym. And, you know, I, I was I was underdeveloped really at that age. I was, um, you know, and I'm thinking, 
I've got I'm doing squats on back, but the the problem was there was a lot of lads at Wolves who were sixteen when they were thirteen, twelve. They were grown yeah. and they were developed, so they were doing it. But they forgot about the players like me who it was making me worse. I was waking up the day after and I was like, Dad, I can't can't move on. And my dad was like, It's it's crazy. But the funny thing is, and how football goes full circle, they've took the gym out now at Wolves. They don't even do it because now Nuno's come in and the Portuguese, they don't believe in it. Sort of changed the whole system again. And in another wow. 10 years, it'll change again. And it's like, you know, a lot of it's about timing, a bit of luck. But, you know, and we'll touch on it probably later as well. You need that coach who just believes in you and gives you that bit of time and that bit of yeah. opportunity. Um, um, I didn't have that at Wolves at the time. So, quick question. Um you see um, how you believe the academy's um, started just decision-making and growth. Do we think that is actually better for elite coaches now, where they get to overcoach, let's say, and that means that the players know exactly what they do, when yeah. they want to do it, and basically the coach gets to implement his ideas on the team completely. Yeah. So I've noticed with certain elite managers, maybe like with Mourinho, Klopp, um, and Pep, they're very detailed with their game plan, and I think that's kind of tied in with the tied in with the new academy style, where your coach basically to listen to instructions from like age eight. So when it comes to maybe like around twenty, twenty one, twenty three, you're used to um, a lot of instructions. So these managers get to implement their blueprint a hundred percent on the team, and that kind of works in favour for them, rather than maybe if we go down to like maybe like a Harry Redknapp, which um, tends to favour players expressing themselves. Um, do you see that maybe the academy, the way academies are coached now is a benefit to certain managers rather than the others? I think the word you use there, overcoach, I think a lot of them, and without being offensive or, or anything, and there's a, don't get me wrong, there's, a, there's some brilliant coaches, um, youth level, absolutely fantastic, but they put their nice coat on, their skinny joggers on, and they try and do the pep look and stuff like that. But a lot of it is, I do worry that some of it is about them more than the the player. Um, because the exposure on telly, every time we watch the telly, it's like Monday night football's on in the background of me, and I was watching it before, and all they talked about was Klopp, Mourinho. They're talking about the coaches, the coaches, not the players. So is that much, it's that in the, the spotlight. Um and I think a lot of these coaches now at these clubs in academies, obviously they all have, I imagine they all want to eventually get to that level. I just think that over coaching, you know, you've got to remember you're coaching nine, 10 year olds who are still, they're going to school in the day. They're doing it. They're still learning about just life in general. I think stripping it back to basics, especially from a young age. Um, and it's about the player, simple. It's about the players. Um, Harry Redknapp, classic example. I mean, I know he likes a checkbook, but he's not known as being one of the... He doesn't really... He's not hands-on on the training pitch, but he got Tottenham Hotspur to the Champions League for the first time in their you know, history and stuff like that. So I think it's that balance where there's coaching and there's, there's brilliant coaches, but there's also that other side where, as we said, that bit of freedom, bit of personality, not to let kids make mistakes because ultimately you make mistakes, you learn then. You don't learn if you just keep doing the same robotic things, um, almost being controlled, like a remote control. You do this, do that now, do it. You're not learning. The kid's not learning. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I think um, I think real hand as well. Um, the, the the shelf life of a, a first team coach is what three years probably. Yeah. So you're not going to make an eight year old understand the patterns of play. Sorry, Gary, is that for a coach or a manager, sorry, or head coach, sorry? Both the same thing. Manager basically just has more implant, um, input on the day-to-day running of the club no, than a first-team no, coach. What I'm trying to imply is, like, do you know how, like, as in actual coaches, like, not that first-team coach, as in, like, Michael Kenner or Michael Carrick, for example? Oh. Uh, yes. Well, um, Adi Pe- Pep's a coach, isn't he? First and foremost, he's a head coach and a manager as well, but he's a head coach, but... I mean, there's no point in Man City getting the best five-year-old in the country and trying to make him understand how Pep plays, you know? Um, because, first of all, as Foz said, he's got to be a footballer first, you know? You've got to use both feet, manage the ball, express yourself, understand how your body shape needs to be when you receive it and different things like that. So all the, all the component parts. I think Wenger sums it up perfectly, you know, because he said between 8 and 14, that's your foundations of being a footballer. First and foremost, you you become the best technical footballer you can be. And then from 14, you're learning the game. You're developing physically um, so that you've got the tools in your bag to play for any manager. Because if Tony Pulis suddenly comes in, just just hypothetically, if um, Chelsea gets sick of all these new forward-thinking managers, you know, like Thomas Tuchel and all that, and they suddenly say, we want Tony Pulis, that's it. Your left-back then has to completely change his game, you know. He's then got to be able to ping the ball 60 yards with backspin to stop it in the channel so they win, win possession half the pitch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas obviously it's two shots trying to play it. So building a footballer should be all about mass, ball mastery, every single skill in the locker, receive the ball with every surface of your foot on both feet and, and, and have the right body shape to look after it, manage it and stuff. That's what I think the academy system should be all about up to about 12, 13. And that's why results shouldn't count. I'd rather lose 12-7 with some great individual players that can all play than win 1-0, you know? Mm. Um, so, and that's the, the mentality that should be drilled into kids at the young ages. Um, but, before I, 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 no, sorry, on. sorry, but I think then because of these new era of coaches, I don't think they really want to have the individualism as well as the well-trained um, kids that are coached. Like, I'll give an example... I, I with like maybe like Riyad Mahrez and maybe like Sane. Sane's been in the um, Schalke Academy. He's been in the academy for however long. Mahrez is kind of a street footballer, more than Sane, yes. for example. And we can yes. see by, by their treatment by Pep how they both kind of... Mahrez seems to still be on the fringe, fringes of um, the City team. So I just wonder if maybe high-level coaches actually just prefer academy robots than the free yes. thinking, even though we would prefer free thinking players. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. Um, Foz, do you remember Morgan Rogers? Yeah, the lad, he's on loan at Lincoln now from Man City. That's right. He yeah. came through West Brom, didn't he? Yeah. Came through the West Brom Academy. So, uh, Relhan Adi, there's this kid, Morgan Rogers, superstar. Um, Man City signed him from West Brom for about five, six million as a 16-year-old. Um, he, he, this is a fight. He trained with the first team and Pep told him three times or four times to do something, have his feet in a certain angle to receive the ball and he couldn't quite grasp it. And Pep sent him back with the 21s and said, you're not ready for this. You know, because Pep is a control freak. He's all about this, yeah. this, 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 this. Yeah. It's his ways. But, you know, and that, that's that's true. I, I've spoken to a few people around here who know the family because he's from around this way. 
and they, they all told me that they're working in football, you know. So he he's a control freak. That's what he is, and he wants it every millimeter of body shape, bit of grass you stand on to be exactly as he says. Uh, it gets success though, um, and you're right. I think, but with academy footballers, I think they've got. A, if you don't have the technical tools to manage the ball brilliantly, you can't do what Pep wants. Yeah. And, 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 and the technical tools have always got to come first. And that's why if you're going in the system 8 to 12, it's, it's got to be an environment where it's all about technique. Um, so for, for us, what age were you when you got let go by Wolves? 14, wasn't it? It was, yeah, 14, 15, around that age, yeah. And then <laughs> where did you go? Um, well, this Rosemary. is where the, 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 really the, the story and where the mentality comes from, really, in terms of I went to Warsaw, didn't get in at Warsaw, um, and then I went to Shrewsbury Town, and I was there for a year. Um, and I was probably physically in my worst um, state. I was growing. I had a lot of growing pains. Right. Uh, I, I'll never forget it. The pain was, at times, my knees, stuff like that, and um, really struggling. Um, and a, a lot of players got given scholars early, and I didn't. Um, yeah. But I remember towards the back end of around when I was just turned 16 and decisions were being made in the Christmas, I was starting to really get going again. Um, and I remember them coming to me and saying, we're still, a bit, we're still 50-50 on giving you a scholar. Um, we'll leave it up to you. And the best thing my dad probably ever did um, was said, no, you, you know, if they want you, they want you. Um, and I went to Aston Villa for six months after that, um, up until the summer, to try and get something. They kept me for, like I say, I was on trial for nearly six months. It was it was a, a long time. Um, but they didn't want... Say to cut you off, I think this is very important. So... A lot of people, hopefully young people, are listening to this podcast. So you mentioned you went to a few clubs. What was your route to get there? Was you actually calling them? Was you emailing them? Was it your dad connection? What was the actual um, A bit of everything. Um, I know for a fact clubs now, they have to um, circulate your name. It's a legal requirement. They have to circulate your name, release players. And what other clubs do is they look at that and they say, well, let's have a look at him and... Um, in the, in the water. Topic, or how, where is it circulated? Is it circulated to every club? Or? Yeah, there's a release. Uh, I'm not I know the Premier League. Sorry, I know the Premier League um, has a list of players that are being released from my contract. I, this is how I start in football manager when I <laughs> when I take over a lower league team. So I just um, get in like players that are released from like United, Arsenal, any good academy, and I get them in for trials and then offer them contracts. Yeah. So every team basically releases the list of players that are ending their contract that season. And teams can just look at it and then pick who they want. Well, but that's for more senior players, though. This is different, or this is for more... Yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they do it with kids as well, don't they? For is it? Okay. Yeah, the, yeah, I think just the yeah. FA, it's especially now with um, mental health and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's helping that kid. You put a lot of time in. You know, I was at Wolves for, from the age of seven, and I knew a lot of people there. And when I say it was heartbreaking when I got released absolutely I was in tears for a week I was absolutely heartbroken and um, I look back and I just think you know just just so in tune with the drive there and seeing the same things driving past this just 
you know, and then it just stops like that, bang. Um, and it was, you know, a massive culture shock. And then, you know, it's that false bubble again. You go to Warsaw and the facilities aren't as good and it's like, oh, what's this? And it's dealing with those different things, them barriers. And as I say, I went to Shrewsbury and we, they trained on the goals. We trained at uh, goals by the... It's right next to the... <laughs> what? Yeah, it's... it's it's not like a um, goals like Blackie for me, yeah. you know, where there's kids still playing. It's actually, if you go to Shrewsbury's ground, um, yeah. God, it's called Meadow Park or something like that. They have like an AstroTurf oh, yeah. right next to the ground on the car park. And yeah. they own it, but it's also a goal centre. But yeah. the academy use it as well. Do you know what I, call, yeah. you know what I mean? So I never yeah. get it. I'm like training the walls in a dome and on lovely grass pitches at Compton. And I turn up on like gold, like what's this? But really, ultimately, it doesn't matter, does it? It's football. The goals are the same, the ball's the same. So, yeah. So, oh, so how many sad was it? Say again, sorry. How many sad? Oh, it was seven aside, I think. Okay, wow. That's mental. It's usually the drop because I've, I've been to Compton a few times in the facilities. You know, Wolves Academy, the facilities are fantastic. Um, I don't think they're there at the moment actually because of COVID, but um, but yeah, the Cat One Academies are just insane. You know, the, the pitches and the number of pitches and the, what the aftercare the kids get. I mean, at Aston Villa, the kids get fed after sessions, you know, and stuff. Yeah. And um, a lot of clubs are doing the same. It's incredible. You know, they, they get a, a meal and um, yeah, so then what happened when you did for at 16? Did you have a decision to make because it didn't quite come off with Villa? So, what happened in the summer of 16? Oh, it was. I look back and now I, I realize, and I still do to this day, I don't think I quite showed my appreciation to especially well, my mom and, and my dad in terms of they took me everywhere. Um, on trial, not just not like in terms of um, calling them up and doing all that, but I went on trial at, at as I, said, I was at Villa. I went to Blues. Um, I went to that's Birmingham City, by the way. By me, <laughs> <Chelsea. laughs> um, I went to Cheltenham, as I said, and Cheltenham was like that to get in a scholar. Um, it was finding digs, I think it was, which was the main the main reason why I couldn't. Um, couldn't sign there and as I say my mum and dad took me everywhere Tuesday nights and you don't think as a kid at that age my mum's working my dad's working they're coming back from work they've got to take you here there everywhere but I look back now and I think it's unbelievable the support that I've had and even when I was at Wolves going to like Everton away and Cardiff away and places like that supporting me and you know that's when I do realise now looking back and Becoming an adult yourself, you realise the cost and everything. Um, unbelievable the support I've had. But yeah, in the summer. So um, say, I keep doing it. So yeah, I keep right. we, we we mentioned this a quite, a quite a few times in other episodes of the podcast. So uh, it's great to hear it from a different perspective. So obviously, growing up in in our environments, we didn't really, we didn't have the parents figures to football matches. So it's really good to hear from you how you seen from your parents' perspective of taking you to football games and the amount of investment they put into you. So it's actually great to hear and, and to compare the two scenarios of the two. Yeah. So one extreme of you being fortunate enough and for most likely. So you've had uh, 
uh, Femi Ilisami, uh, professional footballer. We've had Moza Kariog, professional footballer. They didn't have that support system, and I've seen yeah. it he went through and seen it from you as well. It's amazing. Yeah, I think, like you say, you, you don't quite realise it at the time. But when you grow older, you, you, you do, because you're an adult, you, you're like them, then you understand the, the things that go along with it, working and, and travel and stuff like that. But it, it really, you know, I, I hear a lot of people and it winds me up actually when I think of your hot people who have that hard done by mentality or I've, I've never had that mentality um, of hard done by, I probably, probably, you know, been close to it a couple of times where oh, I should be playing, I should, but I've always had that mentality, just work harder because I've, I've had everything. I've been spoiled. I've had all the opportunities. I know that I've, I've been to clubs after clubs and had rejection after rejection. The hard thing for me is mentally dealing with that rejection, but some people don't even get that chance to get that opportunity in the first place. And, you know, yeah. one thing my dad as well, you know, learning from him, he had to catch three buzzes to go to West Bromwich Albion when he was a kid. Um, he had to, he lived on the roughest estate in Dudley and Gaz will know Dudley. It's not the, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a rough area, but he caught three buzzes. He did all that. So he knew. And I think he's almost tried to teach me that in terms of that appreciation of just the, the opportunity and how lucky you are, just life in general, really. And I think if you have that, you're just a better person then, um, that awareness. Because, as I said, the place I work at, they haven't got that support system. You know, I can't call home because, you know, it might be a carer. It might be, I can't I can't do that. But what I can do is, and especially my dad, he'll take him anywhere in the country for a trial. We've got a lad at the moment who's on trial at Wolves. Um, obviously, COVID stopped it a little bit. But we took him, my dad was six o'clock at night, taking him out of his own time to help this kid because he hasn't got the transport, he can't get there. And that going that extra mile for people, I just think it's what we owe them really as well. You know, everyone deserves that opportunity. And as I said before, football should be accessible to everyone. And imagine not being a professional footballer or not quite making it because you couldn't get there. How sad is that really? It's it Or just not having that, support system and that's one thing that academies are brilliant I will say they get battered a lot but in terms of their support system picking players up now I know what they do they 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 have a mini they have they hired minibus drivers just to go around and pick lads up and do that and make sure they're there that wasn't there when I was there it was just coming in then and I know mm. it's happened. It, it has happened for years but just as I said it, it it's so sad that it does happen lads do miss out that opportunity just because of that yeah it's incredible it's incredible so what was next for you then for 16 in the summer no no scholarship no, no scholarship um i'd say that was the if i'm looking back now from being 24 that time in my life career was when i didn't fall out of love with football because i've never fell out of love with football but i was disillusioned um I was very, I don't know, maybe, I mean, I know I just said that I never had that um, feeling sorry for myself, but maybe I was a little bit then. I look back and I think I was applying for sixth form. I was going to my sixth form and i never forget, I went to a Blues game with my dad. Um, bit of luck. Jerry Gill was there. 
um, who was academy director at Kidderminster Harriers. And he said, you lad, what, what's his situation? He went, well, he's he's going to his sixth form and he's going to go play for a local side again, go back into grassroots football, really. And he said, just bring him down to Kiddy and the rest was history from there, really. So, yeah. He went to Kiddy and then in your second year, some some mad job coach came along, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, it was, and, it was, it was um, there's some brilliant stories and, you know, the first year, and it's a, it's a great story I tell to all our academy lads about uh, mentality and, and keep on going. I was at a stage where, like I say, I was feeling sorry for myself a bit. Um, and I'll never forget, after we had a pre-season friendly, so I was 16, just been released from all these football clubs, going to Kidderminster Harriers. Um, pitches are rubbish, as we know. Bobbly's thing's going. Um you're a, the kits are all baggy and everything, you know, all that stuff that goes into it. And I remember turning up and thinking I'm better than this. Um, <laughs> being, uh, being a snot, a football snob, if anything, I was, I'm too good for this. I'll, I'll, this will be a piece of, you know what? Um, and i got a culture shock. And as I said, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And we played Redditch in a pre-season friendly and I wasn't starting first game of the season. Well, First pre-season friendly, and I wasn't starting. My dad had travelled from work over to Redditch to watch the game, and I wasn't starting. And I come on with 20 minutes to go, and um, I was stropping. I was walking around. I was, oh, this is, you know, blah, blah, I'm too good for this. Blah. And I remember it, and I got in the car, and my dad had this calm, you know, and my dad's a very calm person. You have to, to get him angry, you'd have to, like, do something serious, and, he, he just said, what did you say to the manager or anything? And I went, ah, nothing, he's crap. He, he, these are all shit. And he absolutely gave me the biggest bollocking I can. I can't even tell you like the, the level of screaming, but really what he was trying to say is, is the penny going to drop? You're at Kidderminster Harriers now. You've gone, you've had that opportunity. You've had that chance. Don't, don't. None of that hard luck story. Oh, you've been lucky. I've had all that. At the time, I didn't. I thought, I'll just get back there eventually. No, this is the time now. You've got to start doing it and dig in and, you know, bounce back, as we should say. Lovely little... Uh, <laughs> but, um, I'll never forget it. He just... He, he, and from that day, he's never had to give me a bollocking since from that day. And we always talk about it. We uh, We actually call it and it's a bit of a funny one. We call it the steering wheel incident because he punched the steering wheel that hard. <laughs> he was that angry. Um, we call it the steering wheel incident. And he won't mind me saying because we mention it over the dinner table sometimes, but that day he was like, you're at Kidderminster Harriers now and you can't even get in their team. So how are you going to be able to ever play a level of football where you want to be? You can't get in this team. I was going through the motions in training I was, you know, no way near it. And then within a month, I trained like an absolute Trojan. I'll never forget it. I didn't speak to my dad for two weeks. Dinner table, nothing. But I was, that, it lit the fire. It lit something, that motivation, that I was, something just flicked. The penny dropped, as I like to say, with a lot of our lads. The pennies dropped and um, I know I just, I'll never forget it. I trained like crazy and within a month I was captain in the, the side. 
and that's that's the story really. And then, like Gary said, he Gary come along and um, massive, massive. You know, he won't mind me. I don't want to embarrass him, but I had a lot of coaches there who, without being um, disrespectful, or I think a lot of uh, didn't really back me up, or didn't. I think some didn't rate me as a player. If I'm honest, they didn't appreciate what I could do on the pitch. Um, I wasn't quick. Um, I wasn't a person who was going to beat three players and put one in the top corner. But I could read the game. I didn't really give the ball away. Um, and I remember this Scottish guy coming up to me and just going, you're a player, son. You're a player. I went, who's this bloke? I, can't, I didn't even know who he was. And uh, he went, I've been watching you. And you haven't given a ball. He, he, I don't know if he remembers it. He went, I've watched you. It was a game we played um, and he on a Wednesday afternoon. And he just said to me, obviously, I've watched you today. You haven't given the ball away once. And some of your passes and that and the reading of the game. And for the first time, and this is a God's honest truth, first time I had a, this is why the relationship I have with Gaz, he can message me whenever or whatever. First time a coach has given me that, sort of praise and I mean from the age of seven, eight, nine you get the oh you're a good player cracking player but he actually recognised what I do in my game and appreciated it for what it is um, and I had another one Daryl Smith who Gaz knows only him and Gaz really were the ones who give me that they give, it gives you a lift it gives you a bit of belief and like I say um, it was just it, it, it gave me so much confidence and um you know, going into seventeen, I was, I was flying then. I was, re- I was flying. I was captain of the youth team. Um, we were beating academy sides, but we were beating academy sides. We weren't always better than them technically. Don't be wrong. The gap wasn't that big. We had some really good technical players, um, but it's that old classic cliche. We was hungrier than them. That we we had something to prove. We had this chip on our shoulder, and there's three or four lads in that year group who were still playing at my level and, and and stuff like that, that we just had that mentality. When we turned up to places, we thought, we're better than these. We're going to show you and give you a little bit because we want to be where you are. We want your shirt. And um, going to that level, dropping to that standard, it bred that. It, it, it made me, it just motivated. It lit a fire. And as I say, um, it was one of the best things that happened to me. Well, that group you mentioned that group, but I think that's the best group Kiddies ever had. With you, Big Ken, yeah. Kennedy Diggy, um, Luke Maxwell, Sweeney. I mean that 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 group is well. I say Ken Ken's at Hereford with me now. Uh, that's great, yeah. Ken Ken's at Hereford. Um, you got Luke Maxwell, who obviously got a move to Birmingham City. He's back at Kidderminster now. Yeah, Sweeney, who frustrates me because I love him. I speak to him on a weekly basis at time and we know he's a bit of a, you know, a loose cannon sometimes, but ability-wise and what he can do in his career, if he really wants to, um, he can play in the Football League, no doubt. Yes. But the group we had, like you say, and even the lads who didn't quite make it, yeah, absolutely. Their, their mentality, the team we had, like I say, we turned up to teams, professional teams in terms of Football League clubs and stuff like that. And we beat them, and we beat them comfortably yeah. because we had that. Just it's hard to explain 
that's something about us. Um, we went to beat teams. We didn't get to pass them off the pitch. We went to just go and beat them. And most of the time, we actually ended up passing them off the pitch because we just were... It was a special group. It really was. It was... Yeah. Best time of my... I, I look back at it now and my favourite time playing football ever because we were together every day. We went to college together every day. And then we were training and then we played games. It was just... The team was 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 brilliant, and the FA Youth Cup summed it up. I think it's the furthest uh, college um, program football college program yeah. ever gone in the FA Youth Cup. Yeah. Uh, Where did you end up? We went to the third round proper, which you have. We started after we started in the fourth round qualifying, so you have to play yeah. about seven yeah. games to get there, and. Um, we beat Burton Albion at Burton Albion. That was incredible, that night, wasn't it? You know, it's a team yeah. that's five levels above us, technically. They're in the championship at the time. Um, I know that's first team. It's not like youth team, but we went there and we got battered for the first 20 minutes. But after that, I remember it. We, we well, Luke Maxwell got his move from there, really, in terms of... We did. Not move, yeah. but we really, we really made a statement that night. But... Unfortunately, and probably later on in the story, we'll touch on it, but the club wasn't quite in the right position or led the right way to um, do the right things by us, really. No, no. Hey, Foz, so just to backtrack a little bit. Um, so you mentioned, uh, obviously, the, the, the Mr. Mastermind, which is um, um, <laughs> Gary, um, how he managed... <laughs> He, he, he gave you the, the, the tap and the battle, the vote of confidence to make you feel like you were special. But um, this might sound a bit harsh for me, and I'm saying it in the most respectful way as possible. Is it because you mentioned you didn't get any like actual support from, or, or that's what motivation from coaches? Is it because you wasn't good enough? If, if somebody was as good as what they could have been, do you think that they would have got that support or that actual, uh, that those that hand over, hand over shoulder, like you're keep going, sounding doing great? Or what do you think it actually was? And does that I, I, like, I, um, second question, sorry, is did that then affect your uh, your um, in regards to adult football, in regards to your mentality to adult football as well? Yeah, the, well, to answer the first bit, you've I think um, you're right. I don't think a lot of uh, or some coaches, not all of them, don't me wrong, I had Steve Goyne, who was my actual manager slash coach. He rated me as a player, knew I was technically good. And I could pass the ball, um, and he liked me. He, you know, he, he thought I was a good player. Um, I don't think he really rated me as such, um, but I, he liked me as a player. But like you say, I think some people just didn't rate me as a player or didn't really see what I could do. And without, I don't want to um, come across like I'm um, some, you know, Sergio Busquets. <laughs> completely not, but. I just feel like a sitting midfielder who does that kind of role, because that's where I play, sitting midfield. How many times do you hear like a, a sitting midfielder? They only get the appreciation once they've retired or something. You know, it's the old Paul Scholes story, Michael Carrick, all those players. They don't realise how good they are until they're gone. Um, but it's become a little bit more prominent now with Monday Night Football doing the analysis and they go so in-depth on certain players and certain positions. But... I felt like the position I play and the sort of player I am, you've got to watch me for five, ten minutes and really watch what I do on the pitch rather than a Sweeney who I just touched on, a lad who I did play with, Kitty who Gary's touched on. 
he was a lad who could pick up the ball and he could do three players and put it in the top corner. He really could. Mm. But he'll tell you himself, he could be awful the next game. It could be a four out of ten, you wouldn't see him. Whereas I'd look at myself, I'd be a, a steady seven out of ten, maybe the odd eight or nine, but usually seven out of ten, not really give the ball away and try and dictate games like that. And I just feel like Gary was a sort of coach who, it's as simple as he appreciated it more. He just appreciated that side of football more and saw it. Um, I work, I, I know a lot of coaches now, the manager I work with now at the moment at, at Hereford, I know I, I haven't worked for him a long time, but already he compliments me on things that managers have never complimented me on in terms of the positions I pick up. If I'm in midfield, I'll drop out in a fullback position, push the fullback on so we have an overload. He sees that I pick up different positions, so I read the game, stuff like that. Whereas if I did that for a, another club, say, where I was at, the manager would go, what the hell are you doing? Get in midfield and win the ball back and hook it on and, and do your job. Their idea of a midfielder is completely different to what an idea of, let's say, Gary, or a, in my opinion, a top level or a better coach thinks. Um, you know, and that's that's my honest opinion. I, I think um, it really did. And in terms of mentally, it was massive for me because I was, you got to remember, I've been, I've had the no about seven times now from clubs. Not either not good enough, not quick enough, not 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 big enough, not athletic enough. All the same thing drummed constantly at you, and it does take a beating on you eventually, you know. Um, but it's only probably later now where I've realised. Ultimately, I'm playing for Hereford now, and my aim is to work as hard as I can, get the most out of my ability, and be the best player in training every every day I train or be the hardest worker in the room. That saying, you know, it's cliche, I know, but it's just something that I live by now that I'm going to work as hard as I can for the next 10, 15 years and just have a go and see where it takes me. Um, and that's it, really. Two things, um, George. Um, do you think you would have been better appreciated if you um, played abroad? Like maybe in a Spain where there is a Busquets and... And that is actually like a coveted position yeah. rather than here where it's more blood and thunder. Yeah, like I said, I don't want to... Um, I'd get a bit... If my mates, any of my mates or any of the lads watch the so I'm just comparing... Sweeney's getting... All this. But um, I just think at times, yeah, probably I would. I mean, without being... I think I would probably suit abroad football more I think so. I think so, Is uh, there any reason why you didn't, though? Well, I'll be honest. It was something I, I spoke to my dad about for a bit, but it was not 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 really serious. But it was something like, you know, I'd love to play in Spain. I'd love to play at that level. And then we're on the pace is slower, and um, that probably you know hundred mile per hour, you know, non league games. Don't be wrong, I can do that now. But before. I didn't want to do it. I was, I was like, what's this? It's a crap game. I want to play it from the back and get on the ball and do stuff like that. Um, but now it would, it would be nice. But um, you know, I think it's probably off the, it's probably off the cards now. So just to fast track, guys. Um, so, so you obviously you made it obviously to um, uh, eighteen. So did you get your? Um, uh, did you become a professional? Or did you become semi-pro? What's the route next? Um, came professional. So. 
two years as a youth team. Um, we went on that unbelievable run in the FA Youth Cup, as I said, and the club were, as I said, they were lacking a bit of... Um, I don't think they quite realised what they had on their hands, really, if that's my yeah. honest truth. Um, it's different now, but we'll get on to that. But I just think at the time they didn't realise and we got we all got offered non-contracts at first. So mm. not to be paid. We, were, we got non-contracts. So we were registered at the club, yeah. but you're not getting paid. Um, so really just an opportunity to, to impress as a young kid. We so all safe, felt, safe was, safe was. Is that common, you guys, yeah? Uh, yeah. I, I never heard of that before. Yeah, it yeah. can be common, to be fair. It's, um, it's quite common now, especially with clubs with money-wise. I mean, COVID now, you'll probably see more of it. You can be on a non-contract and still get paid, but oh, it oh. just covers the club in terms of they've got you on a non-contract. But oh, okay. It's basically zero hours contract for retail, stuff like that, that type of... Yeah. Type yeah, of, basically, yeah. You get, you get um, a parent's money, basically, instead of wages. Um, yeah. guaranteed wages, yeah. Are their parents money hiding, or is that? Depends, Depends on the player. Really. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I'm on a non-contract at Hereford at the moment, so I only get paid when I'm in the squad or playing. Um, so, you know, if you're on the bench, you still get paid, or in your, you're in the starting eleven, you're on the you get paid. But if I got injured, I wouldn't get paid for that period of time. So mm. it's a risky one um, for players, but at the same time. It's that risk and reward if you impress or if you do well, yeah. you get that. free to go. Yeah, there's no yeah. the clubs don't have to negotiate. The club can't stop it. Yeah. It's a risk for the club as well. We oh, have yeah. non-league level where they've got players on a non-contract. Two months later, they're flying and they go, "Oh, do you want to sign a contract?" And the the player goes, "Well, I've been offered a deal somewhere else, higher up, more money on a contract. Why didn't you know? You should have offered me one two months ago." And uh-huh. off you go. And the club just. The club can't stop you. They can't do anything. But um, as I said, on to this, the story at 18, <clears throat> we all got offered non-contracts. And we felt that you do the two-year cycle in youth team. I always believe the first team manager should know who you are and, and yeah. be watching and seeing you are. And um, the manager at the time, um, I, don't, I don't think he particularly rated me. Um one, he rated uh, Luke, who went to Birmingham City, made 40, 50 appearances in the first team. I honestly just think he didn't rate me at the time. Um, but he had me in training and stuff like that. Um, and and that was it, really. But the crazy thing was, I was still training there until, you know, 10 games into the season. I was still there training for nothing, travelling in. And this is where I say my mum and dad giving me petrol money to get in. I had that support. I was lucky enough. And, you know, I got it. Well, I say that. I got a job at Primark. This is the God's own stream. I got a job at Primark, customer service. Um, never forget it. On a Sunday was my main working day. I'd work eight hours on a Sunday. And um, that humbled me a bit as well because you go from Wolves Academy thinking you're going to be a professional footballer at 15 to you're working in Primark and you've You've not really, you're not really signed to a club. I'm not really playing. Um, but the aim was always to try and get a contract. And luckily enough, Colin Gordon took over the football club and uh, got rid of the manager. And um, he watched me play in an under-23s reserve game for Kiddie and offered me a contract a week later. Said, I'm going to offer you a contract, son. And I was on 
uh, £175 um, a week at 18. Um, and that was it. That was, I was signed then. Um, and yeah, that was it. It's hard to explain that feeling of um, accomplishment more so, you know, you see your name being printed on the shirt and stuff like that. It's, as a kid, I remember I used to play in my, where my mom and dad's house, they had a long hallway and, I used to set the goal up at the end and I used to have like a Beckham shirt on and stuff like that. I was always, I loved like having a football shirt and with the names on the back and like, you see that it's everything you dream of as a kid, isn't it? And um, seeing that number 31, Forsyth, my name and just, yeah, I remember the feeling, it was unbelievable, but um, the way it was handled after that was unfortunately for me, um, you know, just felt still mismanaged a little bit. Okay. What happened after that? So, yeah, I was, I was there the first year. There was a lot of change in manager. The club was in a lot of um, financial trouble and uh-huh. they were trying to fight off debts and, and stuff. And Colin Gordon come in, the, the new chairman, and he steadied the ship financially. Um, he rated the academy, he tried to promote it, and he, he was big into it. Um, but uh, he brought in a manager in the summer, uh, John Eustace, who's at QPR now, he's the assistant manager. And um, I look back and, you know, he, he, I don't think, I was I was young at the time still, don't think he particularly rated me in terms of getting my first team. He liked me as a player, he thought I was good, but he had to get promotion. Um, yeah. So I wasn't his priority, just like a lot of the other lads, you know, there's three or four of us who just, weren't a priority and I look back now and I should have left that summer but Colin Gordon rated me the chairman yeah. he he rated me and he offered me another contract and I took it at the time but really I look back and I think well the manager's the one who picked the team and he's on the, the training pitch every day and he's the one that's got to have your support really and um, I spent time on loan I think I had about six loan clubs in the end one month loans here there Russia Olympic um, Halzo in town all these places and you're just going from pillar to post, really. You're not developing as a player. That's the big one for me. You're not getting better as a football player. Um, you're just going here, there, everywhere, filling gaps. I was going as cover um, for some teams just until an injury come back or a suspension. And really, you're just getting one or two games here and there and it, it was no good to me. And I see it now, a lot of young lads um, who they're in that similar position and I always tell them, I, I feel almost, uh, I have to message them if I see it like on Twitter, like I know a, a young lad, I won't name him, a kiddie at the moment who he's in the similar boat, uh, not in the way that I was, but he's not playing games. And I said, I just messaged him saying, you need to play games, mate. It's the best thing you'll ever do. And um, yeah, that the relationship broke down really. And the story, the biggest story to tell from that experience is, we played Weymouth in the FA Cup um, and we were they were 4-0 up at half-time. Kiddie were, Kiddie Minster. I was on the bench. 4-0 um, up. The team in the league below, because it was in the Cup, Weymouth were in the league below, FA Cup. 
1,500 fans there. I've been at the club now for three years, captain the youth team. Um, Gaz will tell you, I'm, a, you know, I'm not a bad egg. I'm a, I'm a good character. I like to be a leader, um, stuff like that. And, um, he brought on a 16-year-old lad um, in front of me, and I didn't play. And when I talk about you know heartbreak, being released from Wolves, stuff like that, that one hurt. That one cut. Mm. Um, and the lad who come on, he was, he, I'd never want to batter a lad, but he was nowhere near the ability I had. He was nowhere near. Um, and, you know, my dad was there that day. Um, and I thought I was going to make my debut for the football club. And the crazy thing is, when I go back to Kidderminster occasionally, our academy side playing sometimes, and I go back and I meet coaches, they talk like I've made 20, 30 appearances for Kiddy. I never played a game. <laughs> I never oh, played a professional game. And it, it's without having that hard luck story and stuff like that, I do think I'm probably the most unluckiest player to come out of that system. And they they produce, not produce, but they have 180 lads on that programme every year. But mm. they have like a select 20 that are the top players. Uh-huh. And yeah. I was always in that select top. And Gaz will tell you. Captain the youth team, did everything for the club. Um, you know, Christmas dues, like with the kids around the area, community work with the schools. You know, I did a lot. Um, Andy Blakely was more in charge of the education. You know, he'll, he'll vouch for me. Daryl will vouch for me. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of lads there who will vouch for me and know that I was so unlucky, really. And I look back and I think... I didn't make an appearance and you brought on a 16-year-old over me who's not done the slightest of what I've done. And his explanation was he played well in the youth game. I watched him. And, uh, <laughs> and you know what? I don't blame the manager because he wasn't there when I was in the youth team. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of like but, a history. Yeah. I've kept him yeah. solid for two years and we've battered teams we've been brilliant he he said his words his actual words were he's earned it and that's when I just thought and it, it was it, it was the manager then John, John Eustace was a manager it was John Eustace um, yeah um, first but, can I just um, just to let the lads know who Colin Gordon actually is um, so Colin was a pro and then he became an agent and he was actually Theo Walcott's agent wasn't he oh yes. okay. He's right. a Brendan, Brendan Rogers agent. Uh, Brendan Rogers, Steve, Steve McLaren, yeah. Jamie Vardy. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so he, he, the point I'm making is that he really knows a player and he's the one that kept offering you the contracts, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Colin, with the relationship with Colin, it's a bit of a, a love hate because Colin was the person who gave me my first professional contract and I'll never forget that and I'll always be grateful for that. And he, he saw talent there. He saw what I could do. You know, he's got a bit of a nickname with the group of lads, especially around us, because there's a lot of people who don't like him. I don't dislike him. I do not dislike him. Um, I actually like him. His son, uh, Chris, he's a wheelchair player for England. Brilliant kid. Absolutely love him. Um, always um, talks to me, messages me on uh, Twitter and stuff. So, but Colin, his nickname was Dream Seller. Because <laughs> I'd walk into training some days, 19-year-old, and he'd go, here he is, the future captain of the football club. 
he'd say things like that. And Gary will vouch for me. He was that sort of person. He was an agent. He was brilliant at selling. He was brilliant at yes. talking. Um, he was he was he was that sort of person. He'd go. I'd play a pass, and he'd go. Oh, that's added a million to your price tag. Stuff like that. He he, he was that sort. Of, he's that sort of character. Um, the game wrong, it was tongue and cheek, maybe, but when you're not, to be honest, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, when you talk to him, you think, you know, um, it may be just at times he, he overdid it with some players. There was a culture at the club at the time where there was a lot of players who were trying to, he was trying to sell, he was trying to move on to make money for the football club, which is, you know. And the club were doing well. They were second in the league. I don't expect to be playing. That's the last thing I expected. They had more produce, but I just felt as though we could have been nurtured and developed better, looked after more. Yeah. Uh, I, I was going on another story, a pre-season game, Russian Olympic had a pre-season game, a, a club that are a level below. And he said, do you want to go and play for him this weekend with a view to a loan? So it's almost like a trial. It's in Colwyn Bay. And I was just like, but the, the, the thing they didn't realise is I went there two weeks prior to chase, to play for Russia Olympic against Chase Town. And what happened was the guy didn't even know my name, the manager. He didn't even know my position I played. I'd just been sent there. Kitty had just sent me there to go take this lad and have a look at him. And he didn't even know my name or know my position. You know, take, take the care, take the duty just to know my name and know what I'm about or what sort. So he bought me on at le- uh, he wanted me to go on at left back at first. I'm right footed and I'm not a left back. Uh, <laughs> you know. But two weeks later they asked me to go to Colwyn Bay, which is like three, four hours away from me. And I've gone I never yeah, I said, well, he doesn't even know my name and he doesn't even know the position on my pitch on the pitch like he, he you know, he, he's just wanting he wants numbers. And they just that's the sort of loans I was being sent on. And um, luckily enough, uh, after that FA Cup game, uh, the manager, I had, a, I had, a, me and the manager spoke. We had a falling out in the dressing room after that you FA Cup. Yeah, you had a bust up, right? So. Yeah, the 16 year old come on over me. And you know what? To this day, I don't think he quite realised um, the disrespect. Or Colin, because John Eustace, the manager, blamed Colin. He said to me that, you know, they're trying to promote the academy, players coming through. But I was like, well, I've come through the academy. I think people have missed out that I've been here now. This is my fourth year and I've still not played a minute. Um, But it didn't really matter. It was just promoting the academy, this 16-year-old, a new one coming through. And it's that old Mm. saying, there's always someone else coming through your shirt. There's always someone new coming up that Mm. you've got to be better than and the lad who the lad who played in front of me doesn't play football anymore, um, which is, you know, testament really to not just my character, but in terms of how wrong they got it, I felt that situation. You know, you've got a lad here who yeah, I live and breathe football. I still do. And I drive my missus in train, but it's something that I just look back on. I think no, that they was wrong that day, and I told the manager how I felt, and he said you can leave. And I had no real options. Um, so I stayed and trained and I was bomb squad. I was 11 v 11. He'd tell like two or three of us, go over there with a the ball on your own. Um, 
train on your own, like almost at times. Um, not, in a, not in a nasty way. He's never. Are you still being paid, right? Still getting paid. Oh, okay. So still getting paid. So, and it, it wasn't like that sitting on my money. I was being paid peanuts compared to what other players were being paid. But um, that's where that mental strength thing really comes into it. Where, um, as I say, I was, you know, 11 v 11 and he'd, he'd leave me at the 11 v 11 or they weren't nasty about it, but they were just, yeah, go over there with the football. So, yeah, it was just, that was the situation. And um, I, I trained and I trained um, and I stayed as fit as I could. And then an offer came to go to Stratford. Carl Adams, who's his name. Um, this was on loan again. So they said, we'll take you on loan for a month again. So I'm thinking, oh, another month's loan. You know, is it just going to be end of that? I'm not keep doing it. Sorry, sorry. I find it so in- interesting. How does how do you go? How do you get sent loan for a month? Literally a month. How is that even? What they do is they um they want to see if you're good enough first because a lot of these managers they're part time. They can't come and watch you at training. They they have jobs in the day. So what they do is they'll go. We'll take a risk. We'll take this lad who's at Kiddy on loan. Give him a month, and if he's no good. We send him back. It's a no risk. Well, I went to Stratford and bearing in mind, I've been on three or four loans now that I've either been as cover. Um, I've been there just to cover an injury or a suspension. Um, they haven't, you know, I've not really been needed. Well, Stratford were in a relegation battle and they needed a central midfield player. And I went there in the first game we won. And that's massive. You know, you go there and you win your first game, you play well. Um, and I was there for they extended my loan to the end of the season I was scoring goals playing well um, and one thing I'll give John Eustace the manager at the time at Kiddy, he, he, he dragged me in the office on the day that we all had a meeting um, and he said look I know we had our falling out but and he, when, we had, when we originally had that falling out he said you'll never play at this level National North. He said, you'll never play at this level. And um, to be fair, he turned around and said, the, your attitude and your application and now you've trained and now you've gone to Stratford and, you know, you haven't bit once. I haven't, you know, kept on going, you know, fair play to you. He did nod his head to me really and go, fair play. Um, I think you could, still a bit patronising the way he said, I think you can play this level. Um and that's where you, you can't really say anything because you haven't made any appearances, but you want to say, yeah, I will, mate. Don't worry about that. Um, and I keep talking about that fire was lit and the fire was just lit even bigger now. And I was leaving Kitty, but it was at the right time. I probably should have left actually a bit sooner, like I said, at the, at the start of the year. But I just felt like I was let down by the system there. Um, you know, I look at it now and I think they're, they're pushing players through like nothing now because... They love the academy and there's a lot of players and I know them. the manager at the moment loves the academy and he loves nurturing players and they're doing, my, my dad's the director of football there now. Um, you know, a bit unfortunate that he couldn't have been there when I was there like I probably would have played a few more games. But, um, <laughs> you know, that's, it's it's crazy how it's gone full circle where now they're pushing players like nothing. Oh. And if I'm honest, if that youth team would be there now, I've spoke to three or four coaches now we'd be put on two-year, three-year deals because yeah. there were clubs sniffing us and all sorts. 
you know, we played Ilkeston away the one day. The first team manager was there and Notts County, Notts Forest, asking about all, like, three or four of us. Um, yeah. Birmingham City asking about three or four of us. Every game we'd have, like, scouts, agents trying to tap us up. I got, I went with one agent at one point. You know, it was crazy. And you, I look back and I think, but Kiddy did not realise it at the time. They just didn't realise what they had. And that's not just bigging myself. I'm on about, there was a group of lads who've missed yeah. um, yeah. a core group that just because they were that focused on the first team and winning, they forgot about developing local young talent. This is Kidman's yeah. areas we're talking about. This isn't a top, you know, you've got young local talent on your doorstep, cheap, you know, you, they're cheap, um, who know about the club, they're in the club every day and they just, it just wasn't there, that structure, that, mm. breath, that gap. Now they've got an under 18s, a 21s, a 23s. Mm. That wasn't there for it. It was just 18 straight to first team. And if you weren't cut for it, you weren't cut for it. But um, yeah, I left in that, in that, after that season, I left. But the loan spell at the end of the season at Stratford, Carl Adams, probably one of the best managers I've played under. It's that belief again, like Gary gave me, like Daz gave me that point, the other coach. He gave me that belief that don't you can't give up now, and that was never in the question anyway. But I was just always like, you know what, I've got to, I've got to start again. I've got to kick on and prove myself. Um, so yeah. yeah I, I, sorry, sorry. I always, oh, I always found it very strange that clubs neglected academies. Like I, I can't actually think of a reason why, especially clubs that are struggling financially, would neglect their academy, it seems like an easy way to have a consistent amount of income coming into the club where you develop players and you sell them on and at least gets you your, your club some notoriety. I, I, I find it very strange that um, a lot of clubs invest more in their academies. Yeah, the kiddie one's a weird one because it's it's linked with, it's not quite like, a, it's not like a Wolves or a Birmingham City, it's, mm-hmm. it's linked with a college. So like in terms of, um, yeah. it, it's like, the way I can describe it, you go to college, you do your yeah, work. Yeah, no, I, I, I went to a college that did a similar programme, so yeah. I kind of understand um, what well, was going on there. Kitty, it was still, you know, we were still assets to the club in terms of, if they wanted to sign us, they could sign us, and that was it. And um, just, I just find it crazy to this day that not a lot, and I keep saying it, I don't want to be, just think, oh, I'm the unlucky one. It was just my, honestly, there was three or four or five that they've missed out on big time um, in my opinion you know yeah. NDG for example he lives well, he lives two minutes from the ground Kidderminsterio's ground and he's playing at the same level as Kidderminsterio's now now why isn't he playing for Kidderminster Harriers uh-huh. um, you know you've got local town on your doorstep I just think a club at that level we had players and you know I'm going back a bit now when I was under John Eustace that year they were going for promotion they had French players great lads by the way Elton Nguatala he went to Dundee got a move Usman Farn um, went to Oldham um, brilliant lads but they were there just to get a move they were there quick set whereas I always think these sort of clubs you need players who make 150 200 appearances uh-huh. Uh, stalwarts for your club, players who know the club inside out, players who know what the club's about. Um, and I think they're starting to do that now. 
culture of the club as well. The culture, yeah, the culture. They lost that. You know, my dad always said when he was there as a young kid, they had all lads just around that area because yeah. they all understood the area. They all stood. Them wrong. There's nothing wrong with Brandon. But we're talking about Kidderminster areas here. We're not talking about a. No, but even even at Arsenal, I believe that's that's a big problem that happened at the club. Because um, when you don't have kids from the academy and especially local kids, it seems like the club kind of loses its soul. They're just there as people coming to get moves. So it's just seen as I a find it, I find it crazy that I use Wolves, my local club, as an as a perfect example. They produced you won't believe how many players are in the football league from around this area who have become footballers. You know. Uh, Danny Bath, Zeli Ishmael, Jack Price, Landell, Ebanks, um, all, all, all these players, there's so many, like all local lads, and they've stopped doing it. They're going for, because they're going for Portuguese lads, oh. Bayern, lads from Bayern Munich. And I'm thinking, okay, I get it. You're trying to level that. But don't you think the best ones are going to Man City? Uh, oh, so you're getting the ones even below that and the below that. And I'm thinking, actually, you should produce your own. Because yeah. ultimately, you get a Phil Foden who he's not from any, he's from Stockport. He, he's and he's the best one of them all, and yeah. he's on the doorstep. So it's just about luck. I don't think just because he's had a Bayern Munich badge on since he's been nine to 16 doesn't mean he's any better than a lad who's been at Crew Alexandra, say, who produced brilliant players who go on to play in the Premier League just because he's had a different badge on. You know, the snobbery in football is. It is. I do find that baffling, um, and from a business point of view, like you said, yeah. I just find it Gaz, crazy. Yeah, you were going to say something, wasn't you? Yeah, just um, um, no, I was trying. <laughs> oh, you know, going, going back to that game against Elkiston, for it's just Che Adams played for them, didn't he? Shay Adams was up front for Elkiston that day. We drew one-one. Yeah. Forget it. He was. Yeah. He was. You could see he was. Um, Gonna go higher. He was he was best player on the pitch by country mile, and I mean he was bigger and stronger than everyone else. But he also had the technique. He had the talent as well to go with it. So he was, you know, quality. He's the best player we played at in that at that level. Um, and as I say, within two years, he was. A, I think he went Sheffield United first. Sheffield yeah. United, and then yeah. got Blues, and then now in the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Premier League player, yeah, without question. Ilkeston were a great example at that time. Their whole first team was academy products. Yeah. Um, they're two levels below, like the National North and that league. But it's just crazy to think that they could do it because they had a manager who just believed in it and gave that yeah. trust to the players. And that's all I wanted. All I wanted is that belief or that trust because... It's crazy what you can do to a player with that trust and belief. The yeah. you know how much better they can play. You've seen it top level. It happens. Players with confidence yeah. and with belief. It's yeah. it's crazy. I, n- I never quite had that push at Kiddy where Colin liked me as a player. There's a few players who liked me. A uh, few people who liked me as a player, but they never really pushed. Um, yeah. And that's something that ultimately I might just look back and go, you know what? Maybe I just wasn't good enough. But I I don't believe that. I just felt like. No, I should have been given a chance. I was very unlucky. Um, and they probably think, oh, no, he's just feeling sorry for himself. And Yeah. And that's, but that's you know what? opinions. So, I'll tell you what, I was supposed to get the Bristol City job a long time. I don't know if you were aware of that. Oh, I did. I, I tapped because I, I text you and Maxwell and Sweeney and a few. 
when they were still in the Conference North. Yeah. Uh, I went up and I met one of the directors, but um, they got dropped four divisions, didn't they, for financial irregularity? Everybody knows it. Um, so I, obviously I was in London at the time, wasn't bored. But I spoke to my mate, Luca Gabriel. You know Luca, coach? Yeah, Luca, good, good speak to him on a weekly basis still. He's into his bodybuilding at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, he's a very, very good mate of mine. Yeah. So he said to me, because I, I mentioned you when Lee Hughes and Snapper took over, and um, I don't know if it came directly from me, because you went to Worcester City, didn't you, for a while? Yep, I went to Worcester City. Um, we, that summer I left Kiddy. I yeah. signed Gloucester City. That's right. Um, and by October, we <laughs> talk about rejection. The manager said, not my cup of tea. I want someone in there who's going to rat around. And um, I'm not really looking for someone who's getting the ball off because I'll try and get the ball off the back four or try and yeah. start play off. I'm not looking for that. Get up the pitch. Very much a long ball. So, and I look back, I think probably should have done my research in terms of picking a better side to go. It suits me more. Um, the manager, funny enough, the manager who's who was at Gloucester then, Tim Harris, he's now Worcester manager. Uh, he just yeah. took But yeah, mm. someone who didn't, didn't rate me as a player. You get you get it. But I, see, this, this is the big thing for me, for us with you, right? And um, Because I, I like my footballers with a bit of flair and a bit of intelligence, you know? And it's basically, you say you've got Conor Gallagher, no disrespect, he's playing the Prem, and Tom Huddleston, right? For me, I'm a Tom Huddleston fan all day long above Conor Gallagher. Yeah. Because your game reminds me a wee bit of Huddleston, you know, you, you like to get the yeah. ball, you've got a range of passing. But, Gaz, you've just, like you say, it's what you appreciate and what you like as a coach. Some exactly. like that. Some might think, and I know, other people say Tom Huddleston, he can't run, he can't move, he, he you know, but he's a great footballer, he's technical. Clean, he's great, pass for the ball. He can move, he just he works smart. He gets into areas to intercept the play. I'm talking like I can't move, I can shift, I can move, I can run around the pitch. It's just my game was more, it was just different. And I don't think he's appreciated as much. I know we touched on it earlier in this country, I just don't think it's quite not. No, it's not. Um, Lads, what do you what do you think of Tom Huddleston? Yeah, I think he was wonderfully technically gifted, but you always need the right manager with with with. Um, That's players. exactly exactly the point. Spot on. Spot on. I think one of the things that um, seems to be the theme with all these episodes we've been having is one, it's uh, there seems to be the, the need of luck for an individual to make it, and it seems Manage. to. Be uh, a lot of luck, should I say. And also, it seems to be uh, the preference of manager. The manager yeah. has a massive, massive impact if an individual... And so it seems to be the theme where we've had Mozart say, uh, Paul Ince loved him, but he then went, Paul Ince left, next manager didn't come. So it's literally... Yeah. It's quite luck. So, um, yeah, it's crazy. But um, just, to, just to... I know we're, 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 we're kind of all running God's time now, so... Um, just a quick few fire questions uh, from my end. And I don't know, Gary, do you, have you got more questions before I, before I move on? Um, no, no, just, just a bit, that, you know, skip uh, over we've got the England Cup. Say again, mate. Yeah, I've got, I'll, I'll try and be as quick as possible. I went, yeah, I went to, after Gloucester Conference South, I went to Worcester on loan for a month. So we're back at square one. Yeah. Um, 
when we talk about the bounce back, I had to drop now four levels down to yeah. Midland Prem. So that's like a, a county's level, like a, a re, quite a low level um, to play for Worcester City. A massive club for that level, like huge club yeah. for that level. Um, yeah. And I went and played for them and I met John Snape, the manager. And like you've just touched on, manager preference, huge. He, he's the best person I've met in football in terms of he just loved the way I play. And yeah. that whole thing, he appreciated what I could do on a football pitch. And within, like I say, within 12 months, I was captain of the club and I was flying. I scored double figures and got an England C call-up. Um, and I was the lowest level player to receive a, an England C call-up. Um, how did that lowest level. How did that come about? Did you get scouted or how, how does that all work? I played a game... Don't wrong, I was flying that season. I was on 11 goals and I was playing central midfield. Um, Paul Fairclough, the guy who runs it, um, it was a Herefordshire, England representative uh, game and uh, they were looking for lads. They didn't, you know, they predominantly focused on West Midland clubs. So you could pick Kidderminster Harriers players, you could pick players in the conference, Solly or Moores, all the way down to, well, as low as you wanted and, like I say, I played, I was playing well. And I remember the manager, John Snape, when I talk about man management, the best I've played under, knew how to wind me up. And I remember him, he'd sometimes say, such and such is here to watch you today. And he told me he doesn't rate you as a player. And it'd, he knew how to wind me up. He knew how to press the button. <laughs> um, he'd go, I called him and he said, I wouldn't touch you. And I signed you, you know. Stuff like that where he knew just... He just knew how I worked and I remember him that day at Ilkston, funny enough, I've been there a few times. We played Ilkston for Worcester City and he, he said to me, someone's here to watch you today. And he didn't tell me who was here to watch me. He said, someone's here to watch you today. Um, I didn't know where, I didn't know what, and it was it was Paul Fairclough. Um, and he caught, after that game, he called me up and I, like I said, I was the lowest um, level player called up there was players from four levels above me called up to the squad. I was the lowest and I was captain of the side. We trained one. We um, went in. All we did was we met up an hour, well, two hours before the game to have some food. And um, unbelievable setup it was. We had all England kit, tracksuit, everything. Um, and I'll never forget him. He said, everyone's got to stand up and talk for one minute to tell you about, tell us about yourself. And, um, there was these lads coming out. Yeah, I play for such and such leagues above me. And I've been here, I've been there. A bit like me, all similar stories, rejection. And, you know, I'm hungry now to push back up and all the same. And um, I, th I guess when I spoke, he liked it. And he, he said, just before he we went out, he went, you're going to captain the side today, mate. And so a bit surreal. You're pulling on an England shirt. you got captain's armband on. My granddad was there to watch. My dad was there to watch. Um, some of my old managers who didn't rate me, there to watch. Some of the managers who've been brilliant to me, there to watch. And I feel like from 20 years of age, when I went to Worcester, it was the best thing that ever happened to me, playing football every week. That was the biggest thing. I was learning the game. I was developing as a player. And I'd liked it. Well, I, I had a good game. I had loads of offers after the game for clubs and, 
it was the best experience of my career. One that I look back on and will remember forever. Like just unbelievable. Who, who my mom face? was there. People I say, yeah. Who did you face? We were against a. It was a. It was a FA um, anniversary, 125th anniversary game for Herefordshire FA, and they took an England select from West Midland area. Um, to it was just like um, a testimonial sort of like uh, game, just to celebrate the FA and. Uh, Paul Fairclough selected a side from the area to, to play in it. And, um, what, who did you play against? Play against in the game. Yeah, who, what team was you, was you playing against? Another England selection. It was, it was like a Hereford and Wales team. Okay. So like that, that, that end of the country, you know, south. Um, a lot of those players, their select team as well. So like it was like a, a dual select team. So mainly like Hereford and Welsh players. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was it was like I said, great experience, one I'll never forget. Mm. Question, question, quick question, George. You see how you said um, you have to drop levels, and it was good to get game time. Um, for example, like Premier League players, would you actually advise them to go down to somewhere like League Two, where they can actually get lost in that league and get consistent game time, or go for somewhere a bit more comfy? Comfy that will be a bit more difficult. I think. It- it all depends on... Everyone was saying Phil Foden's got to go out and loan, weren't they? Mm-hmm. And he stayed. Um, don't get me wrong, that's a different environment when you're learning around Pep and top players, I guess. It's different. I think it's just... It depends on each individual and it depends on, as we said before, manager preference. Mm-hmm. You know, Jack Grealish went and played for Notts County, I believe. Um, and, and stuff like that. So there's... Good, there's pros and cons to everything, but I just think it can only help me playing football matches. If you've got to play football matches, it was, you know, I was twenty, I got to nineteen and I'd played about thirty games. By the time I was twenty-one, I've played hundred games, and you just can't beat that. Getting up on a Saturday, and it's not just playing, by the way, it's how you rest and recover, learning about your body, learning about how to how to work, where how to train properly, not just training and put your body, you know, go on a road run and do all that stuff. No, train properly and do the right things and when to eat and all those sort of things. They all, you learn those things as you're playing because ultimately you're going out on a Saturday to win three points. Whereas if you're not, what are you doing? You're doing nothing. You're not, you're just not doing anything. You're just sitting on a bench watching a game or you're sat in the stands watching a game, which I did for pretty much two years at Kitty. Um the best thing that ever happened to me going to Worcester doesn't matter the level of football. It, it didn't matter the level of football. I had to go and play and I had to be somewhere where I was almost guaranteed to play. And um, from that, that's where I really kicked on. And I went to Stairbridge for a month um, or so. And then um, the new season came and I went to Halzone. And Snapper's... Snapper John Snape's the manager at Hillsdown, isn't he? So yeah, you've you've sort he's of done this. Assistant manager. Assistant, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's the future then for us? What's the future? How far do you think you can go? I'll I'll tell you a little secret. I said to Luca, um, I reckon this boy can play at least conference, given time. That was what I said to him. So what, what what's your thoughts? Where can you go now? Yeah, I'm, I'm obviously at national north level. Um I think I can play in the football league if I'm honest. Um, yeah. 
that's the belief I've got. Um, I had an injury a year out at Hal Zoe. Yeah. Uh, missed nine months of football. And then I've come back this season and I've started the season well and I got back playing quite well again. And, and that's it really. I've, I've, I'm trying to just get those games going again, getting a rhythm, playing games yeah. and, and see where it takes me. But yeah, I've, I've, I look at it and I think I can play in the Football League. I honestly believe that. I just need the right environment. Um, yeah. Paul Aircroft said that to me. He said to me, you need to go somewhere where it's the right environment. And, um, 100%. You know, like I'm at the right environment at Hereford. There's a lot of a lot of familiar faces at Hereford. Josh Gowling, the manager, actually was at Kerry for years, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was. Um, big Kennedy's there. There's, there's, there's a few. Yeah, there's a few. It's, it's, um, it's a big, well, it's a big club at that level. Um, you know, on the way back Edgar Street, they used to get four thousand in there. Um, best player you've played with? Best player you've played against? Best player I played with. Um, I've played with. I don't want to name drop badly. Uh, I played with a lad called Callum O'Hare at um, Aston Villa. He's now at Coventry City. Yeah, yeah. I know Callum. Yeah, I've, good player. I trained, I trained with Jack Grealish. Um, I played with Reese Brown, Damari Gray at Birmingham City. Yeah, um, yeah. The best I've played with in terms of I enjoyed playing most with is a lad at Gillingham, uh, Robbie Cundy. Um, I played with him in the England FA Select and he was at Gloucester as a young lad. Six foot five, centre off, can play. I, I, I think he'll play in the Championship. I think he, if he gets the right, you know, we talk about that look, that opportunity and that timing, I think he could maybe one day play in the Premier League. But he's he's a name to look out for, for sure. Robbie Cundy, um, yeah. a very good player. Where's Reese Brown now? Because I saw Reese when he was captain of the Blues. He's at Peterborough, now. Peterborough on loan from Huddersfield. Oh, okay, okay. He's still uh, a good level. Yeah, good player, Reese. Well, like in terms of ability and who's gone on to 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 play, you'd have to say Grealish or Damari Gray or yeah, one, either one of them. And then played against um, a player who give me. An odd time. I played centre off for Kidderminster. This is a game I actually did play in, in pre season friendly. Yeah. Against West Brom. Solomon Rondon. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> he's a problem. He's a oh, problem. Bear in mind, I was 19, 18, and he's a unit. You think I'm going to give him a bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> I've tried to give him a bit of shoulder. Oh my God. <laughs> I've tried to for a truck. Um, bounce off him. Um, and he was a nightmare you just couldn't the ball's coming up to him and I'm playing centre half and you're trying to just give him he just held me he just held yeah. me like I couldn't move I was <laughs> frozen he just said stay there pretty much um, Berahino was up top with him at the time when Berahino was at West Brom flying and he was flying at the time Berahino yeah. and uh, those two were hard to play against let me say that very hard <laughs> what's so, yeah. the um, what's the um, funniest story you can give us regarding uh, your football experience or change room experience? What's the funniest stuff happened in change rooms? Uh, or... oh, there's so many. Um, 
you've got the standard pranks like lock them in a room, a dark room, shut, turn the lights off, smash footballs at them, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but funniest one, I've seen the funniest ones. I find funny is when like I've seen a couple fights that were horrendous, so they were funny. If you know what I mean. Um, Colin Gordon was one with Reece Stoich, the striker at the time. They had a, they had is it on, on, on the field or is it in the change rooms? Or? In the change room. Okay, okay. They're in the falling out. And it was, you know, Stoich is the, the lad who, I wouldn't want to mess with Stoich at all. He's hard as nails. But Colin was, fancied himself as well. Colin was a big guy as well, the, the chairman at the time. But the problem was, he was the chairman and the manager at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so he's not only managing him, he's paying him and doing all something. <laughs> I, I don't think quite... I don't think he wanted him at the club, like, but Stoichy, one of the funniest blokes I met in the change room. I was only a young lad at the time. Um, and they've come off at the end of the pitch and they're at each other, like, throats and everything. And uh, it was just brilliant. It was just, I can't explain it, it was just hilarious. But a funny story is a change room. I had nothing to do with football, really. I was in the change room and uh, one of the la- young lads at the youth team, they've told him one of the lads dropped his phone in water. So the trick is you put your phone in rice, dry rice. So they've gone, go to the shop and fetch some rice to this young lad. And uh, he's gone to the shop and he's bought back Uncle Ben's microwave one that's like already cooked. Already <laughs> and, he's, and he's put his phone in there. But the, the guy whose phone is doesn't realise. He said, yeah, I've put your phone in the rice. And he's got after training and his phone's got all... Be, um, Uncle Ben's, you know, uh, <laughs> spicy rice over it, yeah, yeah. and he's gone. What, what, what are you doing? He went. You told him to get rice. He went. No, you get dry rice, not Uncle Ben's rice. And his phone is like broken and got it all over. And it's one of them. You be there. It's it's just hilarious. But now there's there's too many stories. That's the best thing people always say about the football. The changing room banter is just. Yeah. It's the best. It's, well, it's do, the you, best. do you remember? Um, do you remember I had a little spell managing Tipton Town just to help a mate out? Yeah, I do. I do. Come on then. So well, you were 16, seventeen. So, so it was 17, you, sixteen, seventeen, and yeah, that was my you, first uh, taste of first team football. But you know, it was um, a good learning curve once again playing yeah. with men. Crazy um, to think about how long ago it was, but I know. But do you do you think that helped you? Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's that exposure again to men's yeah. football, and any young player out there. The as I keep saying it, the the biggest advice I've given is go and play football matches. Yeah, you will learn about yourself more than anything. Not, and I always say it's not even about the football. It's that learning about. When you have things going against you, go into hard yeah. places. Are you up for it? Do you really fancy it? Always a test of your mentality. Absolutely. Uh, do, you, do you remember the Vice game against um, oh, Pensford Town? Yeah. So, so yeah. for the lads, the lads don't know, but um, Jude Bellingham, his dad, Mark Bellingham, was a very good footballer. So, you know who Jude Bellingham is, boys, don't you, obviously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his dad was a striker, um, and he played against us in that game. He played for he played for Hensfield Town. So um, they they were a massive club. They were Conference North, and and, and Tipton, the team I was helping manage, was only like 
like white leaf level, you know, you, you know white leaf, don't you, Croydon? Yeah. So at that level. So I brought the four boys in and they, they brought about five hundred fans up for the game. It was an FA Vaz game and Bellingham was playing up top and two of the lads that um Foz had mentioned, Kennedy Diggy and Luke Maxwell played centre back. They're both midfield players, but they played centre back against Bellingham and um they were unbelievable. He, he never got a kick and we beat them 2-1 and that was my first game in charge, you know. <laughs> and I, I brought these four in and it was just, it was just unbelievable. It went downhill from there, you know, I don't think we won a game after that. We were too young, probably a bit underdeveloped. We were still, scro- you know, scrawny little gangly things. You were all, all six foot plus though, weren't you? Yeah, remember? We're all six foot plus but we had no real muscle on us or anything. No, no. But, but, As I say, it was all a grounding, and that that group of lads, that section of lads who we had, they really missed a trick. Um, we've won it with three or four, awesome. um, and yeah, and that was it. Yeah, fantastic, mate. On that note, I think just to round it up, guys, I think this has been a, a very insightful conversation. And for us, um, I think seeing it from seeing it from the, the your football uh, story from your perspective has been completely different to the previous case that we've had as well. So for me, I, I can say it's been very insightful and I've, I've, I've really learned quite a lot from what you said. And obviously, um, I'm sure your story's not ended yet. I've still got a long way to go. No. Um, so you're doing a lot of great things. Obviously, you mentioned you're doing your, um, you're working with your dad uh, regarding the football academy. Um, and obviously, yeah. I can imagine you might be going further, maybe back from an agent for all I know. But um, um, well done for what you've achieved. Um, never give up attitude. Round of applause. Um, I think it's amazing. And uh it's been noble. It's been noble games podcast. Yeah, right, mate. Everyone, it's been amazing. Fantastic. Appreciate. 